0: God is a good God. Amen. Amen? Amen. The devil is still a bad devil. Amen. Uh, this morning, such a joy to be here. The Bible said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Are you glad to be here? Amen. Come on, look at your neighbor for a moment. It might require some faith, but, but <laughs> give them an eye-to-eye contact and say, neighbor, you look like you lost weight. Come and look at your other neighbor, the second choice. And say, neighbor, you look better than the other neighbor. (laughs) This morning, such a joy to be here to bring uh, God's word to you. It's been uh, three long years that we've not been back into Singapore, obviously with all that has taken place. And I came in on Wednesday night, and I'm teaching at the Tungling Bible School. And and as soon as I landed, um, I don't know what happened. Uh, but as soon as I landed, I became very emotional, <laughs> uh, you know, because uh, I think since 2003, I've been coming to Singapore almost a few times a year, um, and I began to realize how much my whole life has also been shaped by being here in Singapore personally and also uh, in, in ministry, you know. So I feel very much at home here, and I feel very much at home at Cornerstone. And, and Cornerstone and, and its leadership has always been so much part of my life, and so much part being there at, at some of the most crucial uh, times in my life. And so I'm always grateful to God uh, for you guys and, and what God uh, is always doing through you. Amen? Amen. This morning, I felt like the Lord put a word in my heart uh, that I want to share with you. And I got some slides, uh, hopefully, um, that we can uh, walk through. But what I want to talk about this morning is this just this phrase, be intentional. Live life intentionally. Don't just watch life pass by. Especially with what's happening the last few years, everybody has become kind of like in this whole sense of whatever happens, happens. But I want to say to you, listen, live life intentionally. Amen. Live life intentionally. And so I wanna just walk you through some scriptures that I put together this morning that I feel like it will probably speak into different areas of your life. I wanna begin with a man by the name of Jotham in the Bible. He was one of the kings the Bible says in the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter number 27. It says something like this about Jotham. It says, Jotham was 25 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. Then verse 6 says something like this. So Jotham became mighty because he prepared his ways before the Lord his God. He became mighty because he prepared his ways before the Lord. What does that mean? He prepared his ways. He lived life intentionally. Intentionally. You see, he did not come from a family that obeyed God. He did not come from a family who served the Lord wholeheartedly. Matter of fact, his father was wicked. His grandfather was wicked. But he began to study their lives. He said, you know what? I'm not my grandfather. I am not my father. I'm not going to behave like that. The Bible says he prepared his ways. He said, how can I live life in a way that is pleasing to God? And I want to say to you the same thing today. Listen, you are not your father. And you are not your grandfather. And you are not your family. And you are not the environment that you grew up in. And so just because your father was an alcoholic does not mean you have to be an alcoholic. Why? You can live life intentionally. Because God has wonderful purposes for your life. There is more than what you have ever experienced in your life. And so sometimes, you know, we we put our head down and we hang our head and we say, you know what? Well, nothing good I can expect in my life. I want to say to you, listen, God has some great things that He has planned for your life. The Bible says in Corinthians chapter 9, verse 26 and 27, and I'm going to read it in the Message Bible. This is Paul writing and he says, I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. No sloppy living for me. Hello, somebody. (laughs) I'm staying alert and in top condition. (laughs) I'm not going to get caught napping, tell everyone else all about it, and then missing out myself. Paul says listen i'm going to live life intentionally whatever i have to do i'm going to do because i know god has something for me i like the same the same words i'm going to the, the nlt translation says so i run with purpose in every step i am not just shadow boxing it says, listen every step that at every decision everything that i'm doing is purposefully <laughs> the amplified says something like this it says Like a boxer, (laughs) I don't go to buffets, but I buffet my body. (laughs) Handle it roughly, discipline it by hardships, and subdue it for fear that after I proclaim the gospel to others, that I am not myself, I'm losing out. And I want to say to you, listen, you can live life, matter of fact, you need to live life with a sense of intention, with a sense of intention. Intention know, for the last two years, what I, uh, one of the things on the side that I've done is this, that, that I, 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 like, I like to read. I'm a reader. There's not a day that goes by in my life that I don't read. I read at least one to two big books every week. It's like a, a habit that I've cultivated. And so I picked up a whole series of books of talking about people who were missionaries in the generations past uh, who are not known because sometimes we only read about the known names. But there is one I came across. His name is A. W. Milne, and he was a missionary to the South Hebrides Island. And there's a quote that I liked in his when I was reading his biography, and then it says something like this about him. Because in those times, in that particular part, they were all cannibals, and and when people thought about going and witnessing, going and 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 and, and giving the gospel, they pretty much had to make a decision that it was one way. You know, they say hey, you go there and you're gonna come back in a coffin. That's it. But, but he says, when he went there, <laughs> when he went there, there was no light. But when he left there, there was no darkness. Wow. And I like what he says. He, he writes in the book, he says, when did we start believing that God wants uh, to send us to safe places and do easy things? That faithfulness is holding the fort. That playing it safe is safe. That there is any greater privilege than sacrifice that radical is anything but normal <laughs> i like this jesus didn't die to keep us safe <laughs> he died to make us dangerous <laughs> i like he says he says the will of god is not an insurance plan it's a daring plan it's a complete surrender of your life to the cause of christ it isn't radical it's normal it's <laughs> normal And I like this part. Let me just read this part. It says, it's time to quit living as if the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death. Listen, where are you this morning? Where are you with the plans of God and the purposes of God for your life? Where are you? You've got to make a decision to live life intentionally. Why should I live life intentionally? Because number one, you want to make a difference. Number two is because you want every day to matter. You don't want to just live life in a sense, well, I can't even remember what I ate yesterday. You want to add value to people. You want to end well. Why do you want to live life intentionally? Because listen, hey, you are the person who are not selfish. Listen, when you you got born again and saved, listen, prior to being born again, everything is about you. Once you got saved and born again, listen, everything is about others. And the question is, how are you adding value to people? How are you making a difference? How are you living in a way that is <laughs> challenging people? Live life intentionally. Why? Because listen, the Bible says there is abundant life planned for you. The Bible says this. He says, Listen, it is the goodness of God that he has stored up in abundance. That when the world sees it, they will tremble how good God is. And he wants to do that through your life and my life. But you've got to make a decision. Hey, you know what? I'm going to live life intentionally. I'm going to go for everything that God has for my life. I'm not going to give it 90%. I'm not going to give it 80%. I'm 100% all in. It's up to you. I, 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 wrote, I wrote down a definition because I looked it up in the dictionary and I didn't like any of the definitions, so I just made up my own. Uh, sometimes you gotta make your own definition, <laughs> and then so to be uh, intentional <laughs> is to consciously live a life of significance with having four things, <laughs> with a purpose, having a plan, willing to move out things in life and prioritize, and number four, having a <laughs> persevering attitude. To live life intentionally, you must first discover why. Why am I wanting to do this? To live life intentionally in every area, whether it's your marriage, whether it's finance, whether it's your business, whether it's your calling, you must answer the question, why? What is the purpose? If there is a purpose, then there must be a plan. If there is a plan, listen, you must prioritize things. And if you prioritize, you must have a persevering attitude. The problem with Christians is that they give up too easily. They give up too easily. And so I wrote down some questions to ponder this morning. I know it's too early in the morning to think. (laughs) But here's some questions I put on the screen. Am I genuinely challenged and fulfilled in life? Am I making a consistent investment for God's assignment? Is the direction my life taking an indicator of God-given vision? Because you can come to church all your life and play church and never make a difference. Is there freshness, innovation and are people challenged when they're around me? Or is it like, oh my goodness, here she comes. I can't wait for him to leave. What do people feel around you? What's the message that your life radio is sending out daily? All of these words. Am I doing something <laughs> that I can do without? That's a great question because I find like a lot of people doing a lot of things that I'm like, why are you doing that? They're busy doing nothing. Maybe sometimes you need to stop and, and ask some questions. Ask some questions. What is causing me not to live a life of significance? Why am I not grabbing the bull by the horns and why am I not going after what God has? In the book of Matthew, chapter number 21, verse 18 and 19, I will read this. It says, while back, sorry, while walking back into the city, the next morning, Jesus got hungry. He noticed a lone fig tree by the side of the path and walked over to see if there was any fruit on it, but there was none. He found only leaves, so he spoke to the fig tree and said, you will be barren and you will never bear fruit again. Instantly, the fig tree shriveled up right in front of their eyes. Now, it's a scary story because we like to read all the stories about Jesus healing, doing miracles, raising the dead. We like all those stories. But this is also a valid story. He said, listen, there is a tree who's supposed to be producing fruit, but it is not. That when people come in expectation to get something, they cannot get something. It promises something but cannot deliver. The Bible says the religious spirit is like that. It talks, it stories about God's power, but there is no power. (laughs) And, And can I tell you something? One of the great signs that we see in the Bible of a church and a believer who has the supernatural hand of God upon their life is that barrenness is turned to fruitfulness. And Jesus, he looks at it, why? Because it's a violation of creation. He said, listen, you are programmed for fruitfulness. And if you are not being fruitful, the Bible says Jesus cursed it. It's this, where are you? Because trees in the Bible are people. Where are you? When people come to you, are they able to receive something from you? When people come to you, do they get answers? When people come to you, do do they feel like they've added value? Where are you? (laughs) Another story of barrenness is Luke chapter number 13, verse 6 through 9. It says, Jesus told this parable. There was a man who planted a fig tree in his orchard. And when he came to gather fruit from his tree, he found none. And it was barren and had no fruit. And so he said to the gardener, For the last three years I've come to gather figs from my tree, but it remains fruitless. What a waste. Go ahead and cut it down. But the gardener said, Sir, we should leave it one more year. Let me fertilize. Let me cultivate it then see if it will produce fruit. If it doesn't by next year, we will cut it down. And I want to say to you today, listen, (laughs) maybe you look at your life and you say, you know what? Hey, there's not really any fruit being produced. I want to say to you, hey, let's fertilize it. Let's cultivate Let's look at some things in our life. Hey, what do I need to do? Is there any wisdom in the Bible? Is there anything that we can get that we can cultivate, we can fertilize where our life is so that we can be fruit-producing believers? (laughs) In the Bible, we have barrenness all through the Scriptures. And it's interesting that all the covenantal people in the Bible, they were all barren women. All covenantal. The Bible lists at least seven of them. Sarah was barren. Rebecca was barren. Leah was barren. Rachel was barren. Manoah's wife was barren. Hannah was barren. Elizabeth, all of them covenantal women. All barren. But listen, they didn't stay there. God's supernatural power came over them, intervened, and turned their barrenness into fruitfulness. And here's what I want to say to you. If you go back to the stories in the Bible of people who were barren, God can give you some wisdom in how to fertilize, how to cultivate your life so that it can become fruitful. Am I making sense to you? The Bible doesn't leave you hanging, no. It gives you a pathway. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter you're down in the down. It gives you a path to victory, a path to success, a path to going forward, a path to coming out of wherever you are in li- and line up your life to God's purposes and plan. And so next for the next few moments, I want to just look at a person in the Bible, Hannah. She was barren. And I don't need to explain the story. I'm sure you know the story. But, but, but I just feel like saying two, three things from Hannah's life this morning that I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to highlight. You know the story. There was this man called Elkanah. He had two wives. That itself, he needs a lot of prayer. Hannah and Pernaniam. And the Bible says Hannah was barren. And she would go to the temple and she would cry out and pour out her heart before the Lord. And one day Eli came and heard her and and, and God intervened in her life. And so you know the story. But but here's what I want to say to you. I want to just say three things from Hannah's life because of time. Number one, one of the things that you need to understand and learn that God is a God of seasons. The Bible says in Daniel 2, 20 and 21, times and seasons are in the hand of God. What does that mean? This is what it means. Number one, you must understand your season. This is what the Bible says in, about Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. It says, but to Hannah he would give a double portion for he loved Hannah, although, listen to this, the Lord had closed her womb. Listen to this. The Lord had closed her womb. The Lord had closed her womb. The Lord had closed her womb. You need to understand your season. What is it that the Lord is wanting to do in this season? Is God interested in fruitfulness? Absolutely. But there is a season that you are going through that doesn't look like fruitfulness, but there are things that he has to work inside of you in order to prepare you for another season, which is going to be a season of fruitfulness. It says, the Lord closed her womb. And here's what I want to say to you. In every season of your life, you must ask these three questions. Number one, what is God producing in me? Number two, what is God preparing me for? Number three, how is God using this season to promote me? Because please understand, God is never taking you in a reverse gear. He's always taking you forward. And so in every season of your life, you must ask this question, hey, Lord, in this season I am in, what are you producing in me? Number two, what are you preparing me for? Number three, how are you going to promote me? You need to ask that question in every season so that you know how to respond. And so please understand, Hannah, the Lord, it was a closed womb season for her. But there was something that the Lord was producing in her. There was something that the Lord was preparing her for. Because all she wanted was a child, but what God wanted was a prophet to the nation. Am I making sense? How is God promoting? Please understand, the Bible says something like this. It says in, 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 in John 15, it says, I am the true wine, and my father is the wine dresser. Any branch in me that does not bear fruit, that stops bearing, he cuts away trims off, takes away, and he cleanses and repeatedly prunes every branch that continues to bear fruit, to make it bear more and richer and more excellent fruit. I like the amplified. And so there is this, understand your season, what is it that God is producing. What is it that God is preparing? How is it that he is promoting? Why? Because it might be a trimming season. It might be a taking away season, a cleansing season. But there is a reason. It's not to pull back, but it is to advance you forward. And so we need to ask these questions. What are the things that he takes away? Things, number one, that have served their purpose. Some things, it's already served its purpose. Things that refuse to change. Things that give you trouble a little bit later in life. (laughs) Things that are standing in the way of something better. Things that are holding you back. Things that he has not chosen for you. Have you been going through some trimming seasons? Am I making sense? Number one, understand your season. Number two, I want to say to you, uncover your pain before God. Uncover your pain before God. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter number one, verse six and seven, (laughs) although there was rivalry in the house with the other woman in the house, she would go to the temple and she would pour out her heart before the Lord. I want to say to you in the midst of uh, frustration, in the midst of those times that you feel like, hey, Nothing good is happening in my life. I feel like I'm stuck. I feel like I'm in a place that that, that, that I need to get out of this place. Listen, uncover your pain before the Lord, not before people. Because people cannot understand your season. And so God, they'll put condemnation on you. They'll tell you, you must have sinned. You must have done wrong. But listen, when you go before the Lord and uncover your pain... Open up. Become transparent before the Lord. One of the things I like about David in the Bible, David was very transparent. Even in the pain, even in the worst time, I mean, he just—he was very. He would say, "God, so and so did me wrong." I pray that you know the children become fatherless. This is a man after God's own heart. I pray that they become fa- i pray that she becomes a widow. This is David. But he didn't uncover for people, he uncovered his pain before the Lord. And I want to encourage you, whatever it is, uncover it before the Lord, not people. God is a father. The greatest thing I know about God is that he is a father. Amen. Amen. Let me say the last thing and I'll kind of bring it to close. And is this that third thing I tell you about Hannah is this that you must learn to unite your heart to honor. You must learn to unite your heart to honor. One of the things I find in the ministry I've been preaching now for the last 25 years and I've seen people just at the edge of breakthrough. I've seen people just at the edge of God opening a brand new door. I've seen people just at the edge of something that that was so magnificent open in front of them miss out. Why? Because of offense. Because of offense. And offense is the number one way the enemy uses to get us out of the place of blessing. And I can't tell you, I've I've known people who've been walking with God who are maybe, you know, (laughs) walking with God a long time. But please understand, offense is something, it's not just for the, you know, baby Christians. You can be a Christian 30 years, you gotta learn to guard your heart. Because guess what? You are going to be offended. If you're not being offended, you are not doing anything in life. Somebody somewhere is going to say something, going to misjudge you, is going to mischaracterize you, misunderstand you, but you must guard your heart. Hannah went and poured her heart before the Lord and her pastor, the priest, and they completely misjudged her completely mischaracterized her. But she did not get offended. And I tell you, the number one way people walk away from the place of blessing in their life is when they allow offense to come in and dig a root in their heart. Dig a root in their heart. And I want to say to you, listen, make your heart a soil that is pliable in the hands of God. Don't give anybody that kind of power over your life that they can say something, do something and your heart can get offended. Listen, refuse to live like a victim. Listen, whatever has happened, isolate the problem. Don't let it go into every area of your life. Listen, pull on God and let the love of the Father come into your heart and let it heal you and let it make you whole. People are going to take you off. People are going to misjudge you. Sometimes people that we look up to will misunderstand. And I want to say to you, listen, guard your heart. Unite your heart to honor. Unite your heart to honor. Unite. The Bible, the Psalmist says something like this in Psalm 86. It says, God, I like the Message Bible. It says, God, take the affection of my heart. Take the attention of my mind and bring it together so that I may not have a divided heart. But in attention, in affection, it's directed to worshipful praise towards you. And I want to say to you today, listen, unite your heart and don't let offense steal when you're right at the edge of breakthrough. Would you stand with me? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. Praise God. We just close your eyes for a moment. I'm just going to pray a simple prayer, and I think after this we'll do communion. Uh, But I don't want to leave this place until I just give you a chance to respond to God. I'm not going to give an altar call, but wherever you are, if the word of the Lord has come to you and and there is something stirring in your heart to respond to that, then I want you to respond to that in a few moments. Maybe there are offenses that are built up. Maybe there is that sense of frustration. Maybe there is a sense of that you are stuck in life. That boredom has come in. Blindness has come in. And you say, you know what? My life really doesn't matter. Like, like, I don't know what I'm doing. Then take a few moments and just reach out to God. God's presence and power is here in this place. God's presence and power is in this place. He will touch you wherever you are. He'll open up something in your heart in a brand new way. In a brand new way. He'll bring healing to you. He'll bring wholeness to your life. He has so much better than what you have experienced till now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. You've just listened to a production of Cornerstone Community Church.